0: I can tell you that right now. I want to talk this morning about recovering from your worst day. Think about that. About the biggest disappointment disappointment that you've had in your life or the worst mistake that you've ever made. That thing that if you, you wonder if you'll ever be forgiven for, or you wonder if you'll ever heal from, what comes to mind for you? And we all have a worse day. (laughs) We all have a day that we'd like to delete. Amen. We're going to talk about Peter this morning. And how God turned his worst day into his way forward. And how he can do the same for us. Turn with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 14, verse 66. Mark chapter 14, verse 66. And put your finger there uh, in the Gospels. We'll get to that in just a moment. I read a story this week uh, about recovering from your worst day. Uh, it was about Coach O, Ed Ogeron, the coach of the uh, LSU Tigers. Uh, for those of you who haven't been paying attention, uh, LSU beat Clemson uh, last Monday night to win the college football national championship under Coach O's leadership. Uh, Some said after this game that that this LSU team may very well be the best college football team of all time. Certainly that's debatable, but regardless, it was a big night for Coach O. But if you take a look at the recent past uh, in his life, it's really fascinating. Just six years ago... Uh, coach O was in his own mind as low as he could go, just six years ago. He had taken over midseason as the interim coach uh, for a fired Lane Kiffin at USC. And in the second half of that season, Ogeron won six games and lost only two games. And so at the end of the season... He was expecting to be given the head coach job at USC and was surprised when they chose somebody else to do the job. He's quoted as saying, I looked at my wife and I said, Besides the day I buried my father, this is the worst day of my life. And she said, No, it's not. He said, What are you talking about? And she said, God has a better plan for you, Ed. And Ogeron said in his classic fashion, well, it better be good. (laughs) He didn't believe it at the time. He was as low as he could go. He didn't believe he could recover from that missed opportunity. You ever had one of those? Maybe you didn't get that job or that relationship fell through and you thought, man, there is no coming back from this. I think we've all had those days and those missed opportunities. But for Orgeron, that break, literally that firing, if you will, from football took him back to his home state of Louisiana. He was able to spend some much-needed time with his wife and his sons, he re-engaged in his faith at that time. He became active in his church in Louisiana at that time. Three years later, his dream job to coach the LSU Tigers opened up. And against all odds, he got that job. He credits his wife with encouraging him that God had a better Plan and helping him to move forward after that bitter disappointment. And Monday night, just six years after what he considered the second worst day of his life, God took him to the pinnacle of his profession, the college football national championship. I say all that to say this, God can turn your worst day Into your way forward. Amen. He did it for Ed Ogeron. And he can do it for you. But you got to trust him. You got to let him. You got to believe. That God has a better plan. That you're his child. And that he has a purpose for your life. And that he's not let you go. He did it for Coach O. And he did the same thing for Peter. Peter, if you'll remember, had a day he'd like to delete. He had a day he did something he said he would never do. You ever had one of those days? I'll never do that. Oh my. Peter said this to Jesus on the night of his arrest, Matthew chapter 26, verse 35. Peter said, Even if I have to die with you, I will never, what? Disown you. Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Peter was the toughest disciple, the brashest disciple of them all. He's the last one you'd expect to cower. But just hours later, after seeing Jesus... Seized by the temple guard, taken to Caiaphas's court before the Sanhedrin, beaten in front of the disciples, Peter did what he said he would never do. While Jesus was being dragged to the court, Mark fourteen, verse sixty-six says, In the courtyard one of the servant girls of the high priest came by and When she saw Peter warming himself by the fire, she looked closely at him. And she said, you also were with that Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about. He said, and he went out into the entryway. He retreated even further. But then the servant girl saw him there. And she said again to those standing around, hey, this guy... He's one of them. And again, Peter denied it. And after a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them. You're a Galilean. Peter began to call down curses on himself, which essentially means this. Peter said to those people, As God is my witness, I don't know him. He called down curses on himself and he swore to them. I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And Peter broke down and wept. He did what he said he would never do. It was Peter's worst day. And we all have one. Fear took Peter from a strong follower of Jesus to a denier of Jesus in just a matter of minutes. Something he said he would never do, he did When the circumstances around him began to deteriorate, when the pressure was on, fear, our flesh, self-preservation, all those things took Peter to a place he never thought he would go. Pressure has a way of doing that in our lives. You know, before I came to know Christ, as if you've been around here very long, you know I didn't grow up in the church. Um, I didn't open a Bible or go to church until I was 26 years old. This was a foreign, weird environment um, for me as I was growing up and into my mid-20s. Um, and so I just lived the best I knew how to live based on what I learned from the world. And I went places in those 26 years that I never thought I would go. And as I look back on those places, man, there's regret. There's shame. There's, man, I cannot believe I went there. I cannot believe I did that. Each time, a little further than the last. Sin has a way of doing that. It's a slippery slope. Thankfully, Like Paul on the Damascus Road, I had an encounter with Christ almost out of the blue when I was 26 years old. When I was at my lowest point and God forgave me, I received Christ. He restored me and He redeemed me before I had gone too far. Maybe something has occurred in your life that you haven't been able to recover from. Even to this day. It haunts you. It kills your confidence. It keeps you from moving forward with hope. And that's exactly where Peter was as he watched Jesus be taken away, be tortured, and ultimately the next day be crucified on a cross. Can you imagine the guilt and the shame and the regret That Peter was feeling as he looked up at Jesus on the cross at Calvary. Man. What Peter didn't know at the time was that all this was taking place to secure hope and healing for him. And for all who would find themselves in his exact same position. Like I was. Almost 30 years ago. Man, this world's a tough place to live. How many of you figured that out? There's a lot to get into. Fear, self-preservation, pressure can take their toll. And we too can find ourselves doing what we said we would never do. And maybe that's you this morning. That decision you made, that thing you did, that relationship you abandoned, it haunts you. What Peter didn't know then, we know now on the cross our sin is forgiven. His sin was forgiven. Our regret is redeemed. Our lives are given a greater purpose than we could have ever imagined. That's what Coach O's wife was conveying to him on his worst day. And following Jesus' resurrection, before His ascension, if you'll remember, He appeared to the disciples several times. He was walking through walls. He was walking on water. He was on the the beach and, and looking at them and getting their attention in the water. The third time He appeared, He appeared to Peter and the other disciples while they were fishing. They knew it was Jesus, but they didn't acknowledge it. And oftentimes, we know it's Jesus trying to get our attention, and yet we don't acknowledge it's Him. Jesus invites them to sit by the fire in this beautiful literary device where Jesus invites Peter right back to the place where he had his worst day. Jesus puts some fish and some bread on the fire and he invites them to have breakfast with him. And he begins to talk to Peter. And in John chapter 21, beginning in verse 15, John tells us this. He says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Don't you wonder, man, what's going through his mind at this time? After he knows what he had done. He knows he had outright denied that he even knew Jesus. And here's Jesus right in front of him. Serving him. Just like he had washed his feet in the upper room. And Jesus hadn't changed a bit. He's feeding him breakfast. He's cooking him breakfast. Laying it in front of him. And when he finishes eating. Jesus says to Peter. He says Simon son of John. Do you truly love me more than these? And if you read this in the Greek, the Greek has four words, four different words. For the one word we use, love. And we see that these words change in this interaction. Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly agape me more than these? The agape form of love is the highest form of love it's the way that god loves us it's the top love it's an unconditional love the priority love and jesus said peter do you agape me more than these do you love me more than the rest am i number 1 peter said yes lord you know that i love you but but jesus uh, peter didn't say I agape you. Peter said, I phileo you. Which is where we get the word Philadelphia. It's a brotherly love. It's just a love of affection. Yeah, I love you like I love my brothers. And Jesus said, okay. I feed my lambs. Peter wasn't getting it. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Am I number one? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, okay, then take care of my sheep. And then the third time, equaling the number of times that Peter had denied Jesus, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. He's like, man, don't don't you hear me? Jesus said, do you agape me above all else? Peter finally getting it. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, well then feed my sheep. Peter finally acknowledged that he loved Jesus as the priority of his life. Above all else, above everyone else. Essentially, he surrendered to the lordship of Jesus at that moment and that time. He had been a follower of Jesus, but he had really never surrendered fully to the lordship of Jesus in his life. Have you done that? Do you love him above everything and everyone else? At that moment, Jesus restores Peter. He reinstates Peter. He redeems Peter, if you would. And if you'll remember, Peter becomes the rock on which Jesus would build his church. It's like, Coach O, man, God can turn your worst day, and he did it with Peter right here, into your way forward, if you'll let him. If you'll trust Him. God's got a plan. To take you from where you are. To where He wants you to be. No matter what your circumstances look like. Today. Jesus. Calls us to make Him. The number one priority in our lives. And that's what it takes. To turn our worst day. Into our way forward. Acknowledging that Jesus is the number one priority. And then serving others as the number one purpose of our lives. You say, "Why was Jesus? What you feed my lambs, feed my sheep? What's that all about?" Jesus said, "Do you love me? Do you love me above everything and everyone else?" Yeah. Okay. If you do, I want you to serve other people as the purpose of your life. Peter was forgiven. He was restored, and he was redeemed. And God placed Peter at the pinnacle of his plan to redeem us all, the church. Redemption is a beautiful thing. It's not just a redo, it's not just another opportunity to get it right. And it's a total makeover. It's a clean slate, it's an opportunity to begin again. It's a new creation, it's a new day. It's a new way to move forward. Where do you need that in your life this morning? Say, well, Phil, I mean, my my, my worst day doesn't hold a candle to, you know, Peter's worst day. And probably doesn't hold a candle to to your worst day. And it probably doesn't. Um, But I don't know. I'm just not engaged right now. When it comes to loving Jesus above everything else and everyone else in my life. I've sort of kicked it in neutral and I'm just kind of treading water right now. Jesus asked you that question and he asked me that question. Do you love me above all the others? And in order for us to move forward, in order for us to step into God's plan and live into God's plan... We've got to step into the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. And that's exactly what was going on with Peter right here. And Peter would go on literally to rock and change the world. He would give his life for Christ. He would be crucified upside down because he didn't believe that being crucified like Jesus he was worthy of. He was all in. And essentially that's what Jesus is doing here. He said... Come back to me because of what's happened on the cross. I'm about to rise from the dead. And you can be free and you can live fully, forever, eternally with me. You're forgiven. But you've got to surrender your life to me. You've got to love me above all the rest. You need to do that this morning. Do you need to come back to Him? Do you need to be restored? Do you need to be reinstated, if you will? Sometimes you've just got to draw a line in the sand. Make today that day. That you acknowledge Jesus truly is your Lord and Savior. And you begin to live that way. You so, I Phil, how do I do that? Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Serve those people, first and foremost, that are closest to you. And ask God where he would have you to serve in his kingdom. And he'll take you to places you never thought you could go. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for all that Jesus has done for us on the cross Thank you that we can't go so far that we outpace the cross. Thank you that your forgiveness is offered freely to us. Lord, and all you ask of us is that we repent as David did, that we change direction and we begin to place you as the priority of our lives. And in doing so, we're redeemed. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for redeeming me, for forgiving me, for giving me a way forward, for giving me an opportunity to feed your sheep. Lord, I pray this morning for those in this room who hadn't been able to get past their past, hadn't been able to get over that worst day or those worst days, Lord, I pray even now, as we open our hearts before you, that you would bring healing. Lord, you would would draw them into your comfort, draw them into a full assurance of your forgiveness. Lord, as we talked about last week, that you would burn away the shame and the regret with the love of Christ. And, Lord, you would let them know that you do have a way of turning our worst days into our ways forward. If we'll love you, trust you as the priority of our lives, and seek to serve those you place before us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.